This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Tahara Faruzin. Welcome to The Loop. She's here uh, this week. CBC Everton's Tara Frusen is joining us. Welcome back to the loop, my dear. Thank you. Yeah, it's, this is definitely not your first time. You've been on. You've shared stories with us before. Yes, which has always been appreciative. But this is a little different because this you're is actually different. hanging out with me the whole show, which I love. Um, and it's very different for you because you're not sitting in a booth. Yeah, and you're not doing the news reading this week. Yeah, and, and I get to like line. see yeah. other people. <laughs> And I get to look out the window. It sucks like how rare that is these days. <laughs> I mean, there are very few people in our office. So yes. to see someone is such a big deal right now. But it's it is like nice to be out. Going on a, a wild animal safari, you know, yeah. like you're on, you're looking across and then just somebody like a meerkat pops up from behind a cubicle. Or you just like hear a clattering noise of a keyboard and you're like, someone's here somewhere. <laughs> a wild reporter, a.k.a. Zebra. <laughs> I just wanted to do like a David Attenborough impression, but I can't. Um, but it's been a doozy of a week for you to be out of the booth and in the mix with the podcast. Yeah. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. So we're yeah. like into week two of insanity that just, it just keeps going. It doesn't end. It has not ended. <laughs> for almost two years now, it has not ended. Yeah. And that is stressful. I don't like it. No. I but mean, we persist. We persist. And it's, it's. I mean, looking at the very, very bright side, we get a lot of content, which that doesn't always happen, especially yes. at this time of the year. 100%. But because it hasn't stopped, it's like, I would kill for a week where nothing was happening. Yeah. And we could just tell light stories about what's happening in Edmonton. I and- would love just to celebrate because it's true. There's so many beautiful things going on in the city and yeah. so many amazing parts of this community. But unfortunately, uh, the headlines are are really dominating right now. Yeah. So this week, while I've been out of the booth, the premier had a very, very big announcement. We kind of knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. Something was coming. um, But we didn't know exactly what. And, um, you know, we learned this week that restrictions have lifted. And it was a quick, (laughs) it was a quick, you know, in seven hours. The rep program doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It went away. Yeah. So it was very abrupt. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think people were anticipating that news, but maybe not as quickly. Um, and there are a lot of sides to the story. Obviously, a lot of folks who look forward to a more open province and city. I I think it's fair to say that nobody wants restrictions to last forever. Yeah. Nobody likes them. They're not fun. But there are concerns and some really valid ones, too, just about the end of this rep program that we've been going off of. That ended on Wednesday. And then no more masking in schools across the province. That Mm -hmm. comes into play Monday the 14th. And this announcement caught a lot of us in Alberta, even those in government off guard. Here's Edmonton Mayor Amarjeet Sohi. I wish that we had kept these restrictions a little bit longer and then not make this a decision without understanding the consequences. The most disappointing thing that happened during this process, we were called in uh, at 4.30 to be briefed for an announcement that was going to take place at 5 o'clock. So this was only a heads up telling us what the province is going to do. No time we were allowed to uh, have any input into uh, the lifting of these uh, protections uh, and the implications of that on our workforce, on our communities. We represent people. I represent uh, a million people 
in, in our city. And I'm elected at large by Edmontonians. Uh, I have the moral authority to speak on their behalf. And I have the responsibility to uh, express their anxieties and concerns to uh, other orders of government, which I have. But this government did not include us in any decision-making or any consultation process uh, in, in, in relations to uh, uh, lifting new protections that, uh, that were in place. So we also know that even with the lifting of restrictions, we'll still see protesting downtown this weekend. Our organizers have said that uh, Kenny's announcement this week is not enough and that they will continue to show up at the legislature and in the city until their needs are met. The protests at the border with uh, right. um, Alberta and the U.S. at Coots are also continuing um, past this announcement. And even I think as we're sitting in the middle of this and we're working through this as journalists, but also as just people and as Albertans, what this announcement really comes down to is this kind of an end to provincial mandates and a push towards personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, we now make the choice, right? And now municipalities have to make the choice of how they want to navigate a pandemic that is continuing in whether it moves to endemic, it, like it's still here. COVID isn't going away. And for businesses, that means that they have to try and make decisions around safety and precautions on their own. So that's not easy. And that's why this week on The Loop, we're learning how businesses are responding to the lifting of restrictions. Yeah. And they've already had such a rough ride. And this adds so much more pressure because, like you said, like it is personal responsibility at this point. And so whatever they decide to do... They're going to have pushback from from either side. So it, I anticipate it will be intense. And, you know, so many have have closed during this whole thing because it's just been so many closures up and down, not knowing if you're going to have enough revenue, not mm-hmm. knowing if you're going to have enough financial support, not knowing if you're going to be able to keep staff. Yeah. Others have taken on huge debts to stay open and keep people employed. The end of the rep program is a relief for some, like uh, Brandy Brosny. She's the owner of Square One Coffee in Edmonton. It'll alleviate a lot of the stress that my staff are under. Um, they, as I said before, they get a lot of angry customers. And, and and it's on both sides. Like, honestly, we tend to have more people that are angry because they have their QR code, but they have already shown it, so they shouldn't have to show it again. That kind of thing is the most frustrating part for them. And also just taking an extra, you know, few minutes with every single customer. We see 400 customers a day, so you can see how that could add up. Um, that it adds up to a lot of time spent, so... It'll just make people feel happier getting through it and not having to take that extra step. Wow. It's, I mean, it's true. It's a very valid reaction. This means an opening up for a lot of businesses. Yeah. And And you can hear the relief. Yes. In her voice. hundred percent. Yeah. She's been waiting for this for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, what was her experience as a business owner? What's it been like since the rep program was put in place though, since it came into play last fall? Well, Brandy didn't opt into the restriction exemption program in the fall. Instead, she decided to go with just takeout only right. um, just because she was unsure. I had just seen a lot of controversy, you know, people being really angry one way or the other. And I just really didn't want to deal with it. At first, you know, we were hoping that things would settle down 
you know, in a couple months. And so I thought, well, if we can just weather this storm and not do the rep program and not really get like with the hospitalizations going how they were, I didn't really see an, a really great reason to allow people sitting in. Um, I thought, you know, it's beautiful out. Just go for a walk. You don't need to sit down. We don't want to, we don't want to deal with all of this because of all the reasons that we did see, you know, the angry customers, both sides, people getting really heated about it. We want our cafe to just be a place people can go for a break, grab a coffee, you know, have a good time. We don't want it to be a place of controversy. Yeah. So, and I appreciate her trying to avoid the controversy because that's so hard to do. 100%. A lot of business owners, I think, were trying to walk this kind of line. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she tried that for a while, but after a bit, she, she ended up just giving in and opting into the vaccine program. The unfortunate reality was if we didn't um, allow seating, we would have had to shut our doors permanently. And I I didn't want to see my business fail. You know, I have 40 staff who rely on me to pay their bills and pay their rent and eat food. And so if I just closed down my shop, that would be a lot of people that I'd be letting down. So a lot of change for Brandy, a lot of responding to everything that's going on. How's her business doing financially now? Yeah, she said she only got a bit of government help um, just because of the way things had worked out. They had ended up expanding their business actually right when wow. things were were starting. And so that kind of muddied up her ability to get uh, the funding when, if you remember way back when, when it was, you know, if your business was 30% down, you could apply for funding. And so because she had expanded at that time, not knowing what was going to happen next, that she just wasn't able to, to, to get that. And they've lost tens of thousands of dollars. And to make up for that lost revenue, she's had to take out bank loans, lines of credit, use credit cards. And she told me it would take, if if things go back to normal mm-hmm. and business is good for her for two years, solid, she thinks that she'd be able to get out of the debt that she's had to take on during this time. Wow. Two years of damage and two years to recover. Yeah. Um Man, but it's a, it's interesting too because this is affecting all businesses in very different ways, not just restaurants or cafes, although they are certainly feeling the brunt of this. But mm-hmm. who else did you find that's kind of coming up with a new plan to move forward without restrictions? Yeah, Rob Borowski is uh, the owner of Edmonton's only gay bar, Evolution Wonder Lounge, and they've been requiring proof of vaccination up until the program ended this week. I called him up, and this is how he reacted to the news. Pretty mixed, I guess. I certainly, it was kind of what I was expecting, but a very different timeline. In a way, it was, it was, I'm like, oh, I'm surprised everything just didn't go away right away. And another, I'm like, wow, that's really fast, just seven hours notice or whatever. Um, it is what it is. Like, I don't think this is the order that it should have done, but I guess we'll go on from here and see what, see what the reaction from the city is now the, the province has removed everything and if the city doesn't put something in we're not going to um, continue asking for proof of vaccination as as far as our business goes um, it would just be it would just be a nightmare the last four months under rep have been um, very very challenging uh, most people have been amazing 95 percent of the people have have been absolutely amazing but that five percent has been 
toxic, bordering on abusive. I've basically told all the staff to just come get me when those um, those rare instances have been happening, so that so that I can deal with it um, and be the one subjected to the oh, you're just a bunch of Nazis and this is discrimination and oh, I thought this place was supposed to be inclusive. I guess you're, I guess you're not. Um, I'll be the one to deal with it because they certainly, um, they certainly shouldn't have to. So um, that would just continue on and, and be 10 times worse if we tried to um, enforce vaccination with the passports lifted. So is not something that we're going to do um i i'm myself all of our staff all of our entertainers and most of our customer base are all wholly vaccinated um and we're firm believers that vaccination is is what's keeping us safe so i guess we're okay with that being removed then if there's a couple unvaccinated people in the space chances are we are still going to be fine health-wise because we did the right thing But Rob says lifting the proof of vaccination rules doesn't help his bottom line. Ending the drink service and not allowing dancing and mingling, which makes sense because it's a club. Right. That's what's really hurting his business. I certainly don't think um, the finances are going to change. Most of the people that have been coming to this space are already fully vaccinated. Um, So the few people are not going to make a much, much of a difference to the bottom line. Um, the restrictions that we really needed to see go away, which did not happen, were the last call curfew and the restrictions on things like dancing and, and even just mingling from table to table. Those are the restrictions that we needed to go. Um, we could have survived probably indefinitely under the restriction exemption program um, as long as those other restrictions were gone. It was when they put in those restrictions that we needed to reclose um, after after stumbling through September, October, November, having to shut our doors again entirely in December because there was just no way for our business to operate with an 11 p.m. last call and no dancing or mingling allowed. So we have only just reopened to do do shows. We're going to continue that for the next three weeks, and, and we'll see what happens. I guess we'll see what happens from the city, and we'll see what happens... Um, with numbers, I know myself and and other business owners like me are just are just hoping that the removal of restrictions now doesn't mean tighter restrictions down the road like we saw happen last year. So even though the vaccine passport program is gone, things are still very complicated. The city is looking at implementing its own program, but what that will look like and when it would come into place is still very much in the air. City Council held a meeting on Wednesday, but they're still looking at all the options. Premier Jason Kenney has advised that municipalities not create their own public health policies, saying that it just won't be helpful. What have you heard about the businesses in Edmonton that want to continue using proof of vax as a means to keep their businesses safer. Yeah, and there are some of those and it's a very sticky subject. You know, other colleagues have reached out to many businesses who are going to continue requiring proof of vaccination, but they're too afraid to talk. Many are receiving backlash in response to their decision. 
Online, the organizer of Winterruption says they will require proof of vaccination at the event. Fleisch Delicatessen also announced on Twitter they will continue to require um, the proof of vaccination, and at least until this weekend, mm-hmm. um, just to give them time to make a decision on what they're going to do and how they're going to move forward. For sure. And then there's also a list of businesses that are, it was started actually in the fall, just to show a list of businesses that have that had opted into the rep program originally. And I reached out to them just to see if they'd seen an influx in businesses since the announcement this week saying that, okay, they're going to continue or what their requirements are. Um, I reached out to them. They said that they haven't seen an influx in businesses signing up. But since the announcement, it says the website has seen an uptick in users. So people are going to the website looking for businesses that require rep still. Um, but yeah, people are looking for for those businesses, whether they're more comfortable going to those places or whether they they don't agree and they don't want to go to those places or want to boycott those places. Who knows? But yeah. yeah, that list is there. But the the organizer and the creator of that website was also too afraid to actually actually join us. So that says a lot. It does. And I think that's been the the most interesting thing about following the story. And we'll continue to look into it, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. But the tension right now is really high. Mm -hmm. And as businesses are left to this own responsibility of figuring out how to move forward, um, you know, a lot of them are are afraid to share their perspectives because a lot of people are angry. And uh, hopefully we'll be hearing more from them in the coming weeks. Yeah. And um, this is kind of a side, just an off note from from Rob, if you remember from Evolution Wonderland. He had said a very interesting thing. He said, you know, if the city does come in with their own restrictions and their own policies, that he anticipates that the protesters will will be at City Hall. So there's a lot there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot of at risk and there's so much division right now. It's it's you can feel it. As we see restrictions lift across the province, businesses' perspective is huge, and that's a big part of this story. But it's not the only one that we're looking at today. Yes, there's also, of course, the health side and the political side. Um, Yeah, especially when Kenny unveiled his government's plan to get the province back to normal. That's in quotation marks in my script. <laughs> Quote, unquote, normal. Yes. And that normal started with the ending of the restriction exemption program and other measures are going to be eased in stages. So as of Monday, masking in schools won't be required for kids and youth. Children 12 and under will not be required to wear a mask in other settings. But, of course, in Edmonton, we have our own bylaw, which requires everyone over two to be wearing a mask in public spaces. So we'll still only see a third of our faces. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's beautiful eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, Dr. Raj Sherman sees things, of course, from the medical and the political perspective. He's an emergency room physician at the Royal Alexander Hospital and a former liberal Alberta politician. Thanks for joining us on The Loop. Hi, good morning. Hey, it's nice to join you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And so let's get right into this. What was your reaction uh, to the announcement? Um. Shocked, but not surprised. Um, you know, first of all, I, I want to thank each and every Albertan out there for the sacrifices that we made for the last couple of years. This COVID-19 issue has not been easy on anyone. Um, 
You know, many have lost loved ones, thousands of Albertans we've lost. There's tens of thousands of Albertans with long COVID. The jobs, the economy, the social isolation, the effect on our seniors, you know, not being allowed to have their families visit them, the effect on our children, basically our way of life and our freedoms. It's been really tough. And um, the decision yesterday was very interesting. Um, healthcare systems in crisis. We've never had this many admissions due to COVID. Delta was pretty bad for the ICUs, but Omicron, because of how fast it spread, it's actually brought crisis and chaos to the whole health system, including emergency department wait times for sick people waiting too long, EMS crises, and you know a lot of staff not uh, being able to show up to work because they're personally ill or they have an ill family member, and they're burnt out. So it's interesting that they take out the stitches and the wound hasn't healed yet. Uh, at the peak of the most admissions we've ever had. It's an interesting decision. It's interesting that you say that because the Premier was pointing to, you know, hospitalizations trending down, ICU admissions trending down. He pointed to other jurisdictions to back up uh, his argument. Um, what what was your response to that? Because he did say, you know, essentially that things are getting better, even though we did see an increase in the amount of admissions. You know, I don't know what the Premier is smoking. Um, uh, and the reality is, we have 1,623 admissions in hospital with COVID. We have outbreaks in all the medical wards. And as mentioned, we're in crisis protocols in every aspect of the system. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, I always say this. People ask me why, why these decisions are made and how. Here's how I see it. The medical and scientific community, we believe in evidence-based decision-making. You know, in the political world, oftentimes you get decision-based evidence-making. Um, the evidence and facts simply aren't there to support the Premier's argument. And we can't obviously ignore the political side of this. We've had protesters at uh, the province's border with the U.S. We've had protesters in different parts of the province, including here um, in Edmonton, you know, what do you think, how much of an impact do you think those protesters have had on the government's decision this week? I think there are a number of factors. As physicians, we believe in health and your health and well-being and your safety and development of your children, care of a sick and elderly. Politicians, their primary concern is re-election. And re-election involves uh, you make promises, you want to keep your promises. Political leaders have two elections they have to fight. First is within your own party, the leadership review, which is just coming up uh, very soon. The second election is the general election that will be coming up in a year and a bit. And, uh, you know, the premier actually, frankly, if you ask me, I think he's being bullied by his own caucus. Hmm. Half of this caucus in a tweet has signed on to a thing where they demand that he removes every restriction immediately and the other half hasn't. Premier is in a tough spot in his own political caucus and his own team. They're split. Yeah. Do you think if he wasn't in that position with his caucus that we'd be lifting restrictions right now? Do you think we'd be here if he wasn't in this precarious position? Well, here's the moral dilemma of the premier. You know, um, I think there may be a different outcome, and I think he'd be a bit more patient in making this decision. Um, Heck, I wonder what Dr. Dina Hinch is thinking right now, because I was in that position uh, as a junior minister, and I had to blow the whistle on my government. The guys, I'm supporting you. I can't, I can't support you anymore. Um, 
you know, it's a moral dilemma for him. His political hide or the safety and well-being of our community. And uh, time will tell. Yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, to kids because, um, you know, grade school children um, and teens, you know, if they're in school, they won't need to wear or have to wear a mask as of as of Monday. And then children 12 and under in other places won't won't be required to wear a mask either. What what do you make of that decision? Well, government mandates aside, my advice to every parent out there is please send your child to school with a good mask and make sure you follow good disinfecting practices. At the end of the day, if your child catches COVID, they may get severely ill. The risk is low of getting severely ill, but they'll bring it home. And if there's somebody at home who's got a pre-existing illness, they're immunocompromised. If they go see grandma and grandpa, you know what? If you want grandma and grandpa around at the kitchen table at uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving, Make sure your kids uh, mask and protect themselves. What do you make of this quick change? Because it was just recently we were, you know, giving kids these high-grade surgical masks because of Omicron. Now we're saying they don't have to wear anything at all. Um, The reality is Premier has flip-flopped. And on this kind of matter of public safety issue, you can't flip-flop overnight. You can't say at 11.59, hey, we're done. Look. We all want these restrictions to be lifted. We all want to go about our lives. All of us. I of all people. The reality is, let's be patient. Let's make sure the admissions go down, the transmission gets reduced, and let's get rid of this chaos and crisis. When we can lift up these crisis protocols, then gradually, gently, let's all get back to our normal way of life. We all want this. The only question is timing. Yeah. I mean, you just finished a shift at the hospital. What are you seeing in the hospital right now? And do you think the hospitals in the province can handle any more potential strain? Well, we're already in major crisis mode. Uh, there are not many other Band-Aids that they can put on the system. You know, if, 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 if this thing goes sour, one, it's on the premier, Okay. I thought the premier did great wave one, two, and three, and the government and AHS. Wave four, the premier was sleeping, sleeping at the wheel over the summer, and we had major chaos and crisis in our ICUs, cancellation of every surgery. You know what? I will give him credit. He brought in the rep card. His caucus didn't like it, but it helped. It mm-hmm. reduced our admissions way down to zero. Now, this Omicron is a different animal altogether. Okay? Uh, I think the government has done what it reasonably can. And despite everything we've done, we're in crisis. And we're ripping off the Band-Aids now. This is just the wrong time to do this. All we're asking for is patience. So from your perspective as an ER doctor, when is the right time to lift restrictions? Well, as I said, we, like when the Premier and Dr. Hinchas said, we got to learn to live with this virus. We've never had any virus or any medical condition that occupies uh three major city hospitals. Mm -hmm. If you're in rural Alberta and your MLA is voting for this, if you have a heart attack, you got a stroke, you got a broken hip, you got cancer, your care needs to be done in Edmonton and Calgary. You're not going to be able to get into the system. This is the issue. And if ERs are in crisis, the ambulances are all tied up. When your ambulance comes from Two Hills or Barhead or wherever, it's not coming back to your town for about four, five, six hours. Hmm. They can't put people on floor and leave. We're all in this together. 
I, I'm asking everyone just to treat each other with respect. I'm asking everyone to be patient. You know, I don't want to blame anyone for this yeah. problem. We're all in it together. And we need to get out of it together. As you said, too, it is this idea of personal responsibility being pushed back on us. We're all in this together, but now without guidance from the province, we're kind of making these choices on our own. What do you want people to know as we kind of move forward into this less mandated version of the province? Well, I want people to know that what the vast majority of Albertans have done to protect themselves, their family and their loved ones and their community is actually helped us a lot. Take, and the vast majority of Canadians in Alberta give COVID and Omicron a lot of respect, and they've done the right thing. I ask them all to please keep doing the right, keep doing what you've done. If you're doubly vaccinated, get your booster. That's what the experts recommend. Please wear a mask and distance. You know, majority of our us are enjoying our freedoms. The restaurants are open. We're playing. Kids are playing. Kids are going to school. Um, the grocery shelves are stocked. Um, because of these precautions we've taken, we can resume life again. Now, once this thing sort of calms down, we're able to deal with all our people that are really sick in hospital, our admissions drop. Hey, I think gradually we can peel off all these bandies, but it shouldn't be a sudden decision overnight. How stressful? I mean, it's been a couple years now. How stressful has this time been for you as an ER doctor? You know, we in the front lines in, our, in emergency, we're, we're pretty tough cookies. Um, <laughs> for us, I will say, many of us, uh, I do feel morally challenged on a daily basis, and so do many of my colleagues. There's a lot of staff burnout, and, uh, you know, you see a full waiting room of really sick people waiting four, five, six hours, and I look at the screen, it's chest pains, it's abdominal pains, it's overdoses, it's, it's self-harms suicide, mental health issues, um, drug issues. And you know what? They're waiting four to six hours in the waiting room, meters from care, and I can see them, but I can't go help them. Wow. Don't have enough nurses. I don't have room, enough room in the back. We got, don't have enough beds, enough staff for the beds, and there's no room in the inn upstairs to get the people upstairs. And it's really challenging and it's morally distressing. However, we do the best we can, and I, every patient I see, I profusely apologize to them, and uh, nothing of my doing, but at the end of the day, you have to comfort people, and you have to care for them, and we do the best we can, given the cards we've been given. Wow. I can only imagine. Um, you know, as we head into this uh, fairly uncharted territory, do you think we could see something like last summer, our best summer ever, where things just go terribly, terribly wrong. Do you, do you anticipate that? You know, I, I think if you prepare for the worst, you can uh, deal when bad things happen. Unfortunately, we are in the worst situation. So I really hope that the government, if things go sour, that they're prepared to, to reverse course. And however, I also ask every citizen to keep doing what you're doing. Because what you're doing right now helps. You know, you can tell people, you can force people to do something, but I'd rather people just do it on their own volition as a sense of personal responsibility for themselves and their community. If everyone does the right thing, which is get your booster, get vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, please wear a good mask when you're out and about, and please socially distance. Don't party it up with 100 people without a mask, you know, one foot from another. That's just silly. 
That's just silly. That's just looking for trouble. If not for yourself, you know what? It's selfish. It's mean. And you're probably going to kill someone in your family with grandma, grandpa, or that favorite uncle. That's dumb. Now is not the time to party. <laughs> party responsibly. Wear your mask. Keep your distance. Party outside. Masked parties are the best part. Yes. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Tahara Faruzin, Leslie Goldstone, Chris Martin, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our special guests this week and next, Tahara Faruzin. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, yes, thanks for listening. There's always so much more to know. Get into The Loop with us every Friday. You can leave us a rating, review, wherever you download the show. Or if you want to get in touch, we have an email, theloop at cbc.ca. Use the hashtag theloopcbc on social media or reach out to us. And of course, follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcasting app. Okay. So, Bennett, <laughs> <laughs> For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.